obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring him up in the training and the instructions of the Lord. This is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. We are continuing our series through the book of Ephesians. Last week I spoke about marriage. Today I want to speak about fathers and children. Um, by the way, I, I just can't help but say this. Didn't you think that the girl in the video with the rap about the parents, don't, didn't you think the mother looked just like Jenny Dornan? I, I think she could do that rap, too. I, re I really do. Look just like her, maybe except for hair color. Um, preachers get in trouble when they do things like that. And you know me well enough that I'm going to do things like that, right, Sharon? Um, I, I heard about, Tony, I heard about the, the young preacher. He was at a conference like we were at last week in Mountain View, training conference and he heard some guy say the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife my mother he thought man that's cool I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that so he got in the pulpit and he didn't tell anybody what he's gonna do not even his wife and Kim, he said, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. And he went blank. <laughs> he couldn't remember what he was supposed to say. And somebody had told him, an older preacher told him one time, if you just go blank, start again and say it over again. So he, he said it again. The best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. And he still couldn't remember. <laughs> Micah, he's looking at his wife, and she is six colors of purple. His mother-in-law is sitting over here, and she's got fire coming from her eyes. And he still can't remember, so he started a third time. The best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. But for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. <laughs> we're talking about the family. The Bible is so practical. I spoke to you last week. Do you remember the verse that I said introduced this entire section that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? And I know that it's not popular uh, to the men for me to say you must submit to your wives, but I mean that in the sense that you know who they are, you love them, and you give yourself up for them you sacrifice for them isn't that a type of submission I don't hear that preached very much but it's in the book 
Wives, well, this is not popular. Submit to the leadership of your husband. That mutual submission comes into play. Guess what? That is the theme of the message this morning, again, but this time with fathers and children. Now, I know that it means parents, but he speaks specifically to fathers. Because fathers are important. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, it, there is a presumption that you are there. And there is an assertion, there is instruction that you are important to raising your children. That does not mean that mothers are not important. But the motherly instinct is to raise the children, love the children, and sometimes to the exclusion of the fathers. So there is a message here, both to the children and to the mothers, that fathers are important. You know, in the animal kingdom, there are animals that the father will eat the children. We're not animals. We are made in the image and likeness of God. By the way, I've also, uh, when I was thinking about that, Shelley, I, I realized that some spiders, after they've been fertilized, the, the woman eats the husband. Some of you may wish that you had. One way to get rid of him, right? But fathers are important. Fathers are necessary as leaders of the home, and you must not shirk that responsibility. But we have a problem. We have a problem in our world. We have a problem in our nation. We have a problem in our churches. The problem of absent fathers. Absent fathers. I need you to understand. Go ahead, Don. That's good. I wish they'd have joined you. One in four children live in a home without a dad. That's irrespective of race. Now, I, yes, I know that in the black community, it is epidemic. And if we could do anything to help the family, both black and white, Hispanic and Asian, if we could do anything to help the family, it would be to teach fathers to be fathers and stay with their families and be a godly father. We need a nation of godly fathers. Children living without a father in the home are 47% more likely to live in poverty. The poverty of a single mother trying to work and to raise her children is heartbreaking. Children raised in a father-absent home are more likely to experience behavioral problems. That is whether it is by death or divorce. When the father is absent, behavior problems exist. In my counseling, I cannot tell you how many people have told me, well, my father died when I was 11 or 12 years old. Others say, 
my mom and dad were divorced when I was just eight years old. I know you, widows, I know you can't do anything about the father dying. I understand that. But you have to recognize that that is going to result in issues of bad behavior because that child is missing dad. And listen, one of the reasons that I keep saying that divorce is a gift that keeps on giving, and I'm being very sarcastic when I say that, but it's very true, is because of the way children suffer because of the absent father. Most children of divorce have not seen their fathers in the last six or eight weeks. Adolescents, we're talking about children. Adolescents and single mother and single father families are at a higher risk of risky behaviors, victimization, and mental distress compared to those in two-parent families. There is a price to pay for divorce, and the children are the ones who pay the most. Daughters are less likely to engage in risky sexual behavior when they have consistent contact and a sense of closeness with their dads. Men with absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers themselves. So with these statistics, with these facts known, why, why are fathers absent? Well, I've already mentioned the case for many of them, death or divorce. I've got to tell you, God hates divorce. Now, I know that a lot of the people in my congregation are divorced, and I'm not speaking against you when I say that, but most of you will agree, and I know that because we've talked about it, that divorce hurts and keeps on hurting. It is the gift that keeps on costing you, that keeps on giving you pain. God hates divorce. And a lot of parents, a lot of fathers are absent because of divorce. But I've got to tell you, that's not the only reason. Fathers are also absent because of affairs. Now, when I say an affair, you automatically think of the father having a sexual relationship or an emotional relationship with a woman. But I need to tell you, by the way, <clears throat> this won't cost you any extra, but affair is a wonderful sounding, exciting word. How does adultery sound to you? It's not an affair. It's not an affair. In Spanish, that word that's translated affair means adventure. It's not an adventure. It's devastating. And it is adultery. And don't ever forget it. But it's not just an affair with a woman that takes us away. Many times the father is absent because of work and wealth. I've got to make more money. 
I'm getting a business started and I don't have time to be there with my children. My wife will have to take care of it. I'm putting in too many hours at work. I don't have time to deal with home and with family. And you have an affair with your work. You have an affair with your wealth. I need to make more money. I'm, I'm doing a good job. I'm providing for my family. I got news for you. Your family would rather have you than your money. And you're absent because of your work. By the way, there's a series coming up. I thought I'd do it this year and it's put off till 2022. But there's a series coming up called Money is a Mean Master. And don't you forget it. You had not heard the series yet. But money, mammon, is a mean master. You cannot love God. You cannot serve God and serve money. You can't have an affair with your work and your wealth and be the kind of father that God wants you to be. By the way, I've seen a lot of affairs in the parsonage. For you kids who don't know what a parsonage is, that's, that's an old-fashioned thing where the preacher and his wife and his kids w would live in a house provided by the church, and it was called the parsonage or the manse. I guess if you're Baptist, it's a parsonage, and if you're Methodist, it's the manse. Nevertheless, it's where the pastor lives, and I've seen a lot of affairs in the manse, and most of them were not with women. It was an affair with the ministry. Listen, my days off are precious to me. For one thing, I'm old enough now that I can't make it if I don't have my day of rest, my day off, uh, my Sabbath rest. But the other thing is, that's the time when the pastor needs to spend time with his family. So if we don't answer our phones on Friday, that's because that's our day off and we, I, I need my Brenda time. I, I need some rest time. Too many pastors, the average pastor puts in 60 hours a week of ministry. You know what happens? The pastor has an affair with the ministry and as a result, his wife has an affair with the children. Let that sink in a minute. And all of a sudden, the children are more important to her than her husband. You may think that's normal, but that is a recipe for disaster in a marriage. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But we're talking about affairs with women, with work, including the ministry. But also, men have affairs with fun and games and hobbies. If I were in California or Florida, I would preach about golf and having an affair with golf. But since I'm in Arkansas, I'm going to tell you that men have an affair with guns and hunting stands. A past, I've known pastors in Arkansas who pastored the church from the hunting stand. I made that statement in another state one time and they said, how can they do that? I said, well, they go hunting before church on Sunday morning. 
They say, how do they do that? What if they kill a deer? I said, because in the church there's not a deacon who would vote to fire them because they missed church because they killed a deer. Oh, me. You can have an affair with the Razorbacks. Now, I'm saying that. And both of my teams lost yesterday. I have to tell you, I'm not as big an Alabama fan as some of you think I am. I didn't watch that game. And I was proud of the Razorbacks. They fought well in smash-mouth football. But you know, you have to be careful about that. Anything like that can become such an obsession that you neglect your family, you neglect your children. And we have the problem of absentee parents. i got to move on. We also have the problem of exasperating, not just absentee fathers, but exasperating parents. He says, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. What does that mean? What is a father, an exasperating father? Well, for one thing, it's an angry father. It's an angry father. That anger may come from several things. It may be the frustration of the culture around you. It may be the frustration of your own inability. Do you, ladies, do you know what the number one fear every man has? All of us. Every single one. Failure. Now, your husband may not tell you that, but his number one fear is failure. I'm afraid I'm not going to make it. I'm afraid that I'm not going to make my wife and my children proud. I'm afraid that I'm not going to make my father proud of me. Especially if you didn't get a fatherly blessing. Oh, listen, dads, look at me. Look up here at me right now. You have no idea of the power you have in pronouncing a blessing on your children. Your children need the Father's blessing. Not just the Father up above, yours. You need to pronounce a blessing on your children. And young men, sons, who've never had a blessing from their father, suffer from lack of of self-confidence and all of us if we would be honest with everybody around her, our number one fear is the fear of failure John that fear of failure creates in us an exasperation that results in anger and the problem is angry fathers make angry children angry fathers make frustrated children and angry children and so they're exasperating because of anger. They're also exasperating because they're legalistic. Rules, 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 rules. Got so many rules, and if you bend or break the rules, I'm going to come down on you. I grew up in a strict home, and I became a very strict father. And I'm afraid that there were times that I was so legalistic that I exasperated my children, and especially my son. 
I've tried to apologize to him. I tried to make it up to him. There was a time I was having an affair with my ministry in Africa. God was blessing in such a way that I could never lead that work. I chased it the whole time. And I put in so many hours, I burned out. Now, if you're there, I'll tell you there is life after burnout. But there's some lessons you have to learn about what really matters. And I tried to pour into my children. I, I was the taxi driver for their entire class, hauling them to games and to, and to their theater performances. I was my son's rugby coach, for goodness sake. Because I realized how important that time was. But I was a strict father. And sometimes you just need to let the children be children. They, whoa, they're children. Right? They're not miniature adults. They're children. Sometime along the way we have to let them be kids. And sometimes it's a good thing, dads, to just go out and be a kid with them. Just spend some time on the floor. Spend some time on the jungle gym. You can take the ibuprofen later. <laughs> spend some time. Do not be so legalistic that you exasperate your children. Don't be inconsistent with your discipline. Inconsistency with discipline discourages a child. One minute you're loving and kind, the next you're beating them. Now, I believe in corporal punishment. Uh, given lovingly and after the anger has subsided. Never discipline your child while you're still angry. You'll do it wrong every time. I think it's a good idea to say to a child who can understand it, you don't want me to discipline you right now. You might not survive it. So you, you better go sit somewhere and leave me alone till I can figure out how you're going to pay for the misbehavior you just experienced. Then you might have to go back and say, you know, I'm sorry. It really wasn't that bad. Or you might have to say, you're going to do without your cell phone for the next 10 days. Or you're going to do without your favorite toy but never discipline your children in your anger, ever. Regain your composure and then spank them if that's what they need. And I know that that is not politically correct and I don't care. It's biblical and that's what is important. But be consistent. Don't beat them to death one time and then for the same infraction you say, well, it doesn't matter. You have to be consistent with your discipline. On the other hand, there's, there's the problem of absentee fathers and there's the problem of exasperating fathers, but there is the blessing of honorable fathers. What, what makes an honorable father? Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Number one, this is important, love their children. Honorable fathers love their children's mother. I didn't say love the children. Now, I want you to love the children, but the most important thing you can do, dads,
for your children is make sure that they know that you love their mother, your wife. And that she comes first. Just as soon as mom and dad put the children in the place of a spouse, they're having an affair with the children, and it is not healthy for the children, and it is not healthy for the marriage. The most important thing you can do, dads, is love mom. Not your mom, the mother of your children. Husbands, love your wife. I think I read that somewhere. Oh, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. That is the message. And it's got the right message for today. Love your wives, the mother of your children. That makes you an honorable father. The other thing, honorable fathers lead their children with godly discipline. discipline. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. That is Ephesians 6, 4 in the NLT. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition, in the training, the instruction of the Lord. You know, I've, I've heard it said, and I've probably included it somewhere along the way in my complaining, that when God gives you children, the trouble is He doesn't give you an instruction manual, an owner's manual that goes with those children. But He has. I've said that, Karen. I, I've said that. But it's not true. He has given us an instruction manual. It's written out, inspired by the Spirit of God. And every one of you probably have at least one of those books in your home. It's called the Bible. Bring them up according to the Word of God. Bring them up in the Word of God. And so the second rule for being an honorable father is to bring them up with godly discipline. Follow the instructions and the rules of the Word of God. Rule number three. See rule number one. What was rule number one? I can't hear you. What was rule number one? Love their mother. Love your wife. What am I saying? That it's doubly important. That is the most important rule of all of these. But then, finally, instruct. Honorable fathers instruct their children how to walk with Jesus. How to walk with Jesus. Fathers, don't frustrate your child with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. I love that. Lead them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. Now, what that means is you have to have a relationship yourself with Jesus. 
You have to have your own dad, your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to me, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can start that right here, right now. You don't even have to wait till I say it's invitation time. Right where you're sitting, you can admit to God, I have failed because I've not had faith. I've never received Christ as my Savior. What do you mean receive Christ? I'm not talking about taking communion. I'm not talking. I'm talking about inviting Him in. Repenting of your sins. That just means I acknowledge that I'm a sinner separated from God because of my sin. You repent. And you ask Him, Lord. By the way, in saying that, you're acknowledging that He is the only begotten Son of God. That He is deity. He is God. And you invite Him to come into your life. Basically what you're doing is you're taking your life and your soul and you're putting it in His hands. And He will receive you. He will save you. You will be born again. Born of the Spirit so that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you cannot teach somebody else to do what you've never done. To walk with Jesus. Parent, dad, mom, are you walking with Jesus every day? I didn't say, do you go to church? I like it when you do. But that doesn't mean you're walking with Jesus Monday through Saturday. Are you walking with Jesus every day of your life? Teach your children how to do that. How do you teach them to do that? You do it with them. That takes time. That takes a personal relationship with your children. See, you've got to have a personal relationship with God. You've got to know how to walk with Him every day. But you have to have a personal relationship with your children in order to show them how to do it. You don't tell them. You show them. Listen, what you say on Sunday... You better be living out in front of them Monday through Saturday as well. You teach them to walk with the Lord every day. And then finally, I know everybody's listening for that. And yep, I'm watching the clock. The blessing of obedient children. Obedient children. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is your first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life in the Lord. Now kids, this is for you. And I don't care if you're 3 years old, or 30 years old, or 60 years old, but especially young children. Kara's looking at me. She's good. Obey your parents. You say, why do I have to obey my parents? They don't know what they're doing. I know more than they do. Well, about the time you turn 28, you'll find out that they're a lot smarter than you think they, they are right now. Why would you have to obey your parents? Because you belong to the Lord. You belong, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. That's what it means when it says obey your parents in the Lord. You're in the Lord if you've been saved. 
And because of that, because you belong to the Lord, you obey your parents. Not only that, but you obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. So what's the wrong thing? To disobey. We were... Brenda was on the phone. I didn't get to hear this, but she's told me about it 40, 11 times. It's okay to giggle when I say dumb things like that. She was talking with our daughter. Our oldest was, I, I have to think, four years old, and that means the youngest, or the, <clears throat> excuse me, the second born was just a baby. And she heard... Uh, Shelly saying, Ashlyn, quit bothering your little brother. The minute later she said, Ashlyn, get off of his head. <laughs> and she heard this little voice in the background shakily saying, Obey, obey. That's been, that is a precious memory for us around our house. But I'm looking at all you kids, and I'm saying, obey, because it's the right thing to do. You belong to the Lord. Obey. It's the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. And then finally, obey your parents because of God's promise, because of God's promise honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise if 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 you honor your father and mother things will go well for you and you'll have a long life upon the earth things will go well if you disobey Things are not going to go good. Right, Mom? Mom, you just lost the, most, the perfect opportunity to say amen. If you do not obey, things will not go well for you. But God promises that if you obey your parents, things will go well for you. Not only that, but you'll have a long life on the earth. I keep, he may have fallen out of favor, but I, I've never forgotten what Bill Cosby is in, the, in the sitcom would say to Theo. He says, I've brought you into this world and I can take you out. But God can say that. Do you know that? Amen. God can say, I brought you into this world. And if you're going to cause your parents trouble, I can take you out. He can also say, if you disobey me, I can take you out. Sometimes I think he says that to his children. Because we grieve the Spirit of God by disobeying the leadership of the Spirit of God. And I think in the Bible there is indeed a sin unto death. What that sin unto death means is that it breaks God's heart so badly to see an addict who is a child of God who is now controlled by Satan and by idolatry 
and is so far from God that God might just say, I can't stand to see him go any further away. I'm just going to take him out right now and bring him home. That's a sobering thought. That's a sobering thought. But God said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. For you adult children, then this includes me. Honor your father and mother. Even when they're old and gray and you no longer obey, honor your parents in a godly way. I'm not much of a poet, but I don't think I got that from any, anywhere else. I don't remember ever reading that, but God spoke that to my heart. Even when they're old and gray, and you no longer obey, you're a grown child, you're doing your own thing, there never comes a time when you're not supposed to honor and respect your parents. You may not obey them anymore, and that's okay. But you always, always honor and respect your parents. Are you living the new life in Christ? That's what this whole series, Paul, that's what I've been teaching. The theme of Ephesians is new life in Christ. Are you living the new life in Christ? Are you living the God life? The, I'm sorry, the good life and are you living, are you li living, I can't say it, are you living the godly life? You know, what I'd like to see you do today, I'd like to see parents who would commit to being godly parents or godly grandparents. You need to do that? Is that a commitment, a sacrifice you're willing to make? I'd like to to see you commit to being a godly son or daughter. Now that's, you might think I'm directing that primarily at the children, but we're all children of somebody. We are children, in fact, of our Heavenly Father. And we need to honor our God in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. Just sit where you are, but bow your heads. If there's a commitment that you need to make this morning, the altar is open. You can come up here and you can kneel and pray and make that commitment to God. Or if you need to come and talk with me and have me pray with you, I'm here for that reason. Let me challenge you. I believe in very practical preaching, and I hope I've done that this morning. But I also believe in very specific invitations. And my invitation includes coming to salvation. It includes coming for baptism. It includes coming for church membership. But what it's really about is fathers and children. Dad. What do you need to give up? What is God asking you to do? What commitment do you need to make? Children of all ages, what change needs to take place in your life? Our God is a God of change. 
and he brings new life and he's offering that to you right now